exploring what it means to have God with us. What does that actually mean? How does it take effect in our lives? That's what we're doing. Of course, one of the fun things to do is to look, if, to dig into Christmas a little bit. Dig into it, and I don't know if you've ever taken time to do this because uh, you know this comes every year. It's easy to just kind of get into the routine of doing Christmas, but to take time to like dig into it. So uh, in our house, we had a debate, uh, and the debate goes like this: um, my my daughter thinks that uh, it's a wonderful life is not a Christmas movie because literally there's only like apparently like the last ten minutes of the entire movie is actual Christmas, and the rest of it's not actually Christmas. So this is a debate in our house, okay? Uh, and, and of course, we're saying, It's a Wonderful Life is the greatest Christmas movie of all time. This is widely understood, correct, right? So I'm reading an article. So this is what happens when you dig into the past of Christmas. I'm reading an article. Guess what? It's a Wonderful Life was never meant to be a Christmas movie. It never was. So we've all had to eat crow in our house because Anna Grace knows what's up, all right? And so it wasn't, what happened is, is uh, the, the copyright on the movie expired and networks had it free of charge in the 70s and so they just started running it during Christmas time because it didn't cost them anything and it hooked into the Christmas tradition, right? This is what happens all the time. There's all these kinds of things that we have in the Christmas season that we don't actually know where the origins are, and if you dig into it a little bit, and I think one of the most fascinating things to dig into at Christmas is looking into the prophecies and the words that were spoken about the Messiah that was to come. Do you know there are 400 prophecies from the Old Testament about who the Messiah would be, and that all 400 of them land in one person, Jesus Christ, to a T. It's unbelievable. If you start going back and, and unpacking, it's actually astounding to look at verse by verse, line by line, and of course, getting ready for even sharing this message with you. I'm going back and unpacking this, going back to the origins, and my mind is blown. I'm going from scripture to scripture, looking at everything the Old Testament, the scriptures would say about what the Messiah would be, and Jesus fulfills it perfectly and completely. And so I want to just read even a small text this morning just to begin unpacking this and seeing what it means to us. Luke chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, grab one. You need one in your hands. Uh, we won't put this on the screen just so you can have the Bible in your hands. And if you, uh, there's a chair uh, in front of you should have a Bible. You guys that are at home, make sure you grab a Bible. Follow along with me. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph went up from Galilee and the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. Just in this small section, we have all these prophecies, these declarations of what would happen, where, where the Messiah would come from. You have Genesis chapter 49, verse 10. The Messiah is going to come out of the 
12 tribes of Judah is going to come, out of the 12 tribes, it's going to come out, he's going to come out of the tribe of Judah. And lo and behold, we see fulfilled here, and of course we see it in Matthew chapter 1, Jesus' genealogy comes through the line of Judah. Psalm 132, Jeremiah 23, 5, the Messiah would be a descendant of King David. And what do we see here? What is he? He's of the house and lineage of David. Micah chapter 5, verse 2 says, the one true Messiah was to be born born in Bethlehem. Jesus was born, Luke chapter 2, born in Bethlehem. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it says the Messiah would be born of a virgin. Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, Luke chapter 2. The list goes on and on and on. I could unpack these for literally the entire time we're here. And these are just a few of the details that we get from the Old Testament that are fulfilled completely with the coming birth of the Son of God. It's astounding the amount of detail that God is unpacking in all of these prophecies. In fact, I love this quote that comes from Lee Strobel. Now, Lee Strobel was a textbook atheist, and he set out to disprove that Jesus was the character or the person that we believe him to be today. And as he's doing this study of Jesus, what happens? He meets Jesus. He's trying to disprove Jesus, and he becomes a follower of Jesus. And from that place, he begins to write books that have been incredibly helpful. I don't know if you've ever read any of the Lee Strobel books. They're so powerful in helping unpack the historical accuracy that we have in Jesus. And so he, he has this quote from one of his books, and what he's doing is he's saying, hey, statistically, what these prophecies do is mathematically almost impossible. And he gives us a picture to try to wrap our minds around the impossibility of Jesus fulfilling all of these texts. And I want you just to follow it and see what he says. He says, here's what he says. He says, I imagined that the entire world be covered with white tile planet with the bottom of just one tile, just one of those tiles painted red. Then I pictured a person being allowed to wander for a lifetime around all seven continents. He would be permitted to bend down only one time and pick up a piece of tile. What are the odds? It would be the one tile whose reverse side was painted red. The odds would be the same as just eight of the Old Testament prophecies coming true in any one person throughout history. This is the power and might of God demonstrated in these details. In these tiny details, it just begins to stir wonder, all that when God was coming, not just to push back darkness and release us from bondage and to give us life, but he came to show us the detail with which he did it, that he lays out intricately and powerfully how he would come, the way he would come, the manner in which he would come, that his, his coming would mean riches for the entire earth, not just the nation of Israel, but everybody would be brought into this faith. The events and the timing and the atmosphere were all carefully cultivated 
by the king of the universe. So much so that when you look at the Christmas event, when you look, you start to get a sense that when God says that he's with us, he means he's with us. That God is with us and he is in the most intricate details of our lives. There's no detail, there's no stone that isn't turned over in the heart and the king of the universe. God is with us in the details. He's not leaving anything to chance. He's coming right in to the very deepest things, the very most minute things of our lives. God's orchestrating and he is writing like a really brilliant author does with a book. He's writing the details, the intimate things, the tiny things, the unseen things, the unheard of things. He's in, uh, he's in our lives. He's with us in these stories. Now, how many of you like to read fiction books? Anybody, fiction, fiction readers, a few, a few, yeah, okay. I would love to read more fiction books. I think they're awesome. What makes a fiction book great? What makes a fiction book great? Is when the author takes time and he creates a world that you can actually see, right? Where he unpacks it and he gives you detail that you go, oh, I can see this, I can imagine this. I read, um, I say read, I listened to audiobook. So this is what I, I listened to the audiobook, The Martian. I don't know if you're familiar with this book, but it's about, uh, they're doing space exploration, they're doing these things on Mars, and a guy gets stranded on Mars. And what makes this book so amazing, at least in my estimation, is the detail with which the, the author is telling you how this guy is going to survive as he's been stranded on Mars. And, he's, and so the guy's going through all the calculations. If I do this and I do this and I do this, I think I can prolong my time here by like another two months. And if, I, and like, if we do this one certain thing, then we'll, I, could, I could literally create a farm on Mars. And all of a sudden you're like reading the story and you're like, yeah, I think we can do this. Like, this is amazing. I think this guy's got this thing figured out. Let's go for it, right? That's what, this is what happens when you read the detail and you go, hey, this is actually possible. Listen, God isn't in the details. God is in your details. God has come and he is with us and he is in your details. There's no thing too small for him that he wants to speak into and minister to and bring life to. That whatever place you're coming from, none of us lives in this empty life, but he is with us and he is writing this story. He wants to be with you in it and he wants to walk with us and he wants to speak into all these things. And listen, there's this narrative that swirls around. I'm certain you've seen it in movies and you've probably even said it a few times. I'm not gonna bother God with this because God's got bigger things to worry about, right? God's trying to figure out coronavirus, so I'm not gonna pray about this little thing going on in my life, right? There is this narrative that often goes on where we're afraid to bring the small things, the hidden things, the things that are seemingly in the background to the Lord because God's about the big stuff. 
And what we see in Christ's coming is that God is intricately involved in the details and he means to speak into it. That's what he wants to do. That there is no petty things in God, right? That he's not too busy with the big, huge problems of the world to come in and to bring life and to speak into these moments. Nothing could be further from the truth that God's only into the big stuff. He's in the intimate places. God's in the details. I love Jesus' own words. This is how he says it. Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, he says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs on your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So here's what Jesus is saying. The Father is in every. He, he's in every aspect of your life. He's looking to come into those minute places. Uh, our, our family, um, we like to watch them. The... Um, what was it called? Tiny World? Tiny World. So we watched a documentary called Tiny World. Tiny World, it's, so you've seen planet Earth and all these amazing things. Tiny World is the same thing, except for with all the little microscopic things that are happening that no one ever sees. And it's unpacking this. And we're seeing, you know, like this little dung beetle just trying to make his way with a chunk of, you know, stuff. And he's, he's trying to get through, right? He's just trying to like, if I, if I do a good job here, I'm gonna get a mate and we can make more dung beetles. That's all, that's all I really wanna do. But he's just trying to get, so, and, it, and at first it's like, this is, so, this is so incredible, but you're watching this thing take place. You're watching this thing. You can lift things like 10 times bigger than him. And here's, this is what Jesus is trying to say. None of that happens apart from the sovereign hand of the Father. And what he's saying is this, you're so much more valuable. He is in every Monday, Tuesday morning you've ever had. And he's not just in it, he wants to speak. He wants to bring life. He wants to, he might want to poke and ask questions. But he is in this thing with us. And there's not one area of our lives that are hidden from him. That's what he's trying to communicate to us. That there are things that we do. The things that we do for others that go unrecognized, they're not unrecognized with the king of the universe. The things that we do in cleaning and serving and the ways that we go about our day to try to help others, the Lord's in that. He sees it. All of it. Nothing is mundane in God. You need to hear this. You might feel like your life is a little bit not that interesting. You might feel like you go about your day and there's not a lot of big, cool things happening. Can I tell you, that's not how your father feels about you. That's not how he sees your life. It's not how he sees my life. And that he has more for us. And that he's drawing us into the more but he wants to call us up to begin to hear him and listen to him in the small and in the details. 
In fact, if, if, you're, if you're walking right now and you feel like everything that you're doing is small, that it's uncomment worthy, if you sense that, you need to know God is for you right now. He has things that he wants to say and he's ready to meet you in the smallest stuff. That there's not a place of prayer that is insignificant to him. There is not an issue going on in your life. There is not a task that you're putting your hand to that is meaningless to God. It's meaningful to him. Jesus, he puts it this way in Luke chapter 16. He says, one who is faithful in very little, very little, is also faithful in much. Listen, you might feel like your dishwashing is meaningless. It's not to him. You might think no one sees and no one cares. The father says, I care and I see. And that I'm with you. I am Emmanuel. I am God with us. I'm in the small and I'm in the little. And so the question, when Jesus says this, he's asking the question. So what's going on in the small What's going on in the small in your life? What are you doing with the small stuff? And what are you doing with the unseen stuff? Because I'm in it. I want to meet you there. I'm not just waiting for the crazy moment of your life where you come to me in a panic. I'm ready to talk to you about the intricate details of your life. That the little matters to God. That who you are when no one is around, is important to God. Let's say that again. Who you are when no one else around and nothing is, quote unquote, going on is important to God. How you speak and think are meaningful to him. He wants to meet you there. How you spend your money is meaningful to God and he wants to meet you there. Again, how you do your Thursday afternoon routine is meaningful to God. Be with him in it. Be with him in it, right? Because God is shaping us for more in the details. He's shaping us. He has more to release and more to give. He's shaping us for more in those quiet moments. He's with us. And listen, he's not with us as an accountant trying to count and, and see, well, did you do all these things or what did you do with this or how did you do that? That's not, that's not the point of the, those scriptures. He's there in those small things to bring life. This is his point. One of my favorite texts comes from, or one of my favorite books, I should say. One of my favorite books is, uh, comes from, uh, or it's called The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. It's this old monk from, I think, the 1600s. And uh, he was the cook. He was, at, he was the one uh, who, who took care of the food for all the other monks. It's essentially what he did. And if you've never read this book, it's one of the most fascinating reads because what he describes is a thriving, vibrant life in God when nothing else is happening. And when he finds himself 
cutting carrots and and celery. And he's, he's actually talk, he's talking about it, right? You've been in that place where you're like cutting celery and you're like, there's no God here. And he's like, God's like, yes, I'm in this thing with you. And I just want to walk with you and talk to you and speak to you. And I love, he was talking about, there's a quote in the book where he's talking about, he's going, there's all this crazy stuff going on in the kitchen, all this noise and clatter that come with all the meal prep. And he says, and he says, but he says, I possess God in as great tranquility as in that moment, as if I were upon my knees at the blessed sacrament. What he's looking to do is to dial in with the king of the universe because he knows that God is with us. And we can say God is with us in this season. We know Emmanuel, God with us, but it, at some point in time has to start landing in new and fresh ways in our lives. And I'm so challenged by this thought. And, 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 and I've even gotten to see this in my, my beautiful wife, who uh, I, she's, she's amazing in that she'll, uh, she, she is talking with God in the school pickup line all the time. I mean, I'll get downloads from my wife all the time of what the Lord's saying to her as she's waiting for the kids to show up at the end of school. And I, I'm, I'm saying these are the things that the Lord wants to do and, and these are the places where the Lord wants to meet with us. It's so life-giving and it's so powerful. And so the question for every one of us is, will we let him in? Will we open up? Will we say, yes, Lord, you're in the details. You're with us in the silence. You're with us in the mundane. You're with us in the meaningless because it's not meaningless to you. It's all meaningful. I'm gonna ask our team to come up. We'll just close out this morning. The point of God knowing, I want to just finish with this. The point of God knowing our intimate details is to say that he wants to join us. God wants to make purpose out of it, to give us vision. And so that's what we're going to ask the Lord to do, is to just begin to give us vision for what the Lord wants to do in the regular areas of our lives. And we're going to submit those to him this morning, and then we're just going to finish in worship. Would you guys stand with me? We're just going to pray. So if you would just ready your heart, you guys that are joining us at home, just ready your heart here. So Lord, we just want to begin to ask you right now, where we've discounted you and thought we'll save prayer for the big stuff. And we just want to recognize you're in every detail. Little two sparrows fluttering about in the backwoods, the hills of Tennessee. Not one of them falls to the ground apart from the Father. And yet you have numbered, you know the hairs on our head. You're intimately acquainted with us and you want to speak to us.
So we just want to take this moment and invite the Lord into the mundane. So would you just submit your routine to him? What's the regular routine? The things that you go through on a semi-regular basis. Those places you might be tempted to just be uh, distracted with all this, this stuff going on. As Brother Lawrence puts it, the, the, the clanging pots and the loud noises that are going on. And let's just begin to invite him to speak to us. I'm just gonna open our hearts and minds and say, Lord, I wanna be intimately acquainted. I wanna see that you're in the details with me. You see all the serving and the, all the things that go in the background that no one else will see and no one else will know, but you're there. We want to open up our lives to you. We want to open up our hearts and our minds. What do you want to say? We want to meet with you. And even if this is in your heart in this moment, would you just say, Lord, I want to meet with you in the details. Would you just tell him that? Make that declaration. I believe that's an open invitation, an open door for the Lord to be in the move in our lives. So just ask him, or would you meet us in the details? Would you meet us in the quiet places, in the silent places, in the scurrying about places? We want to meet with you. We want to know you and hear your voice. We want to be in a place where our ear is inclined to hear you receive. Lord, this morning as we close in worship, I ask that you would be here in this moment and that you would speak to us now, that you'd be in these details with us in this moment. As we lift our voices to you in worship, that you would come near to us, that you wouldn't be seen as somehow far away or distant, but that you're right here in this moment with us, walking with us and speaking bringing life. I pray you would do that for your namesake and glory, for our joy in you. Meet us in these details, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Let's worship together for a moment.